listening to the Northside Christian Church Sermon Podcast. These teachings are recorded at our weekly Sunday morning gatherings in Springfield, Missouri. For more about our church, service times, and how to connect, visit northsidechristianchurch.net. Well, Northside, I would like to invite you, encourage you to invite a friend uh, this next week as we kick off our Christmas series. And uh, I want you to do that because all you got to do is look around. And as you look around us, you see people who are in chaos. You see people who are experiencing anxiety, people who are down and depressed and experiencing doubt. And what they really need is the missing piece. They need the missing piece in their hearts and in their families and in humanity and at Christmas. And we're going to bring that and talk about that over the next four weeks, beginning next Sunday. So I just want to encourage you. There's some family and friends that you could invite to be a part of this Christmas season with us. And this next week, we kick off a new series called The Missing Peace. I just want to encourage you to be a part of that with us. And then also, as Jessica mentioned earlier, on Christmas Eve, that is a great time to invite friends and family to come. We've got our 9 and 1030 Sunday morning morning services that are family friendly. And then we've got this 5.30 p.m. uh, candle lighting service we want to invite you to to be a part of and just invite people to be a part of it during this Christmas season. And then I also just want to mention this. uh, Advent guides are available right now in the Next Steps room, which is just right out here in our central lobby. It's just the big open space out here in our lobby. And these have been written by people in our church family using the soaps as an outline for you to have some personal devotions because Christ has come and Christ is coming again. And as we live with this expectant, waiting anticipation of Christ's coming, as we look at his first coming, that we celebrate his nativity, Christ coming to this world at Christmas. And as we look forward to his second coming, we want to have our hearts and minds abiding in Jesus. So that's what this is. Pick one of these up. And I just want to encourage you to be a part of Advent with us. And let's just begin today with a word of prayer, asking God's presence here. And so, Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you for this opportunity right now for us to hear from you. That, Lord, as we live with this anticipation of celebrating the nativity, we also live with this anticipation of your coming back to this earth to take us to be with you. And Jesus, as we live with that anticipation, we're praying that you would help us to live holy lives, that we might speed that coming, that we would live as people who are on mission for you so that we might be ready for that coming, that we would live in community with one another, loving, supporting, encouraging one another, all of us in this together, God, so that we might speed your coming. We are looking for you. We want to be ready for you. We are anticipating you coming. And so, Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your peace and your presence. Lord, I pray right now as we hear from your word that, God, we would respond to what you would have us to do. We want to have open ears, open minds, open hearts to what you want to do. And, Lord, we pray this right now in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. Well, tis the season for lists. Christmas lists, Amazon lists. (laughs) He's making a list, checking it twice kind of lists. Like like this is the season of of lists, this month of December. For some of you, it's a to-do list of what you've got to get done as family are coming to town. I mean, there's just a lot that we do this time of year when it comes to lists. 
But some lists are more exciting than others. Not every list is met with the same sense of anticipation. Like, have you ever read the genealogy lists of the Old Testament, like in Genesis 10? Yeah, not so exciting, is it? Like, those are the parts either you skip or skim. Just be honest. If you're telling the truth, you skip or skim them. Because not every list is the kind of list we get excited about. Especially when it's a long list of names. Like, how many of you have ever been summoned to serve on a jury and you're in the selection process for jury and there was the long list of roll call of names? Not something you look forward to. Not at all. Because it's just a list. Unless you somehow could get a sneak peek into the stories behind the list. Like what happened for Fred Craddock as he tells his story when he was selected to serve on a jury duty in Georgia. He was just one name among the 240 that were called from which they were going to select from this pool the final selection of jury. And he describes the experience of going in and just having to sit through the roll call. And it was just name after name after name. He said it it was not in alphabetical order. So like you had to listen. You couldn't just wait till they got to, to that letter of the alphabet. So he said it was just one long list and he, it was so boring and he was not enjoying it. He was just enduring it until he began to realize, you know, there's a story behind all these names. Like when the clerk called Bill Johnson and two men said here and one was black and one was white. Both Bill Johnsons, but different stories behind the name. Or like when the clerk was calling a name, Clark. And Mr. Clark said, here. And then she looked down at her list and she looked up. She said, Mrs. Clark. And he said, here. Mrs. Clark. And he said, well, I got the letter and opened it because I thought it was for me. To which she said, well, we summon Mrs. Clark. To which she said, well, I'm here. Can I do it? She really doesn't have an interest in these sort of things. <laughs> to which she said, well, how, how would you know? She doesn't even know that she was summoned. He said there became an interest in the stories behind the names. We might see a list of names and immediately just dismiss it as uninteresting until you think of the story. I guess when you come to Colossians chapter 4 and we begin reading in verse 7, what you're going to see is a list of names. Not quite as long as the list of genealogical names in Genesis 10. This one only has about 10 names. But it is a list of names nonetheless. But it's really important when you read through this list that you not read it as just a list of names. It's not just a list of names. These are real people with real stories. In fact, as we read through these names, you're going to see an interesting profile develop of the church. And these are people who, who served with Paul and suffered with Paul and were in prison with Paul and provided for Paul and they brought supplies for Paul. They went on journeys with Paul. It's not just a list. Don't look at them as just a list. Have you ever been to the Vietnam War Memorial in Washington, D.C.? Maybe you've been there. I was there probably 25 years ago in person, got to see it. No doubt it's a list of names. Over 58,000 names, in fact. But don't just think of it as a list of names. Because there's a real story behind every name. You start to realize that when you see a 
a great-grandfather kneeling with his great-grandson, reaching out and touching a name, a very special name, even if it was the traveling wall. There's a real name there that means something. Or the man who stands at the wall crying, weeping, as if he's trying to somehow caress the name that's on the wall, on a flat wall. Nonetheless, that name carried great significance. It's not just a list of names, not when you see a woman come and lay flowers at the wall with tears streaming down her face. It's, don't look at it as just a list. These are real people with real stories, with real names. It's not just a list. The names that we're going to read in Colossians 4, they're very special to Paul. They're not just names on a list. In fact, they even reveal a larger and more important truth, which is what God has called you to do, you cannot do alone. Every name matters. Every person matters. Paul had a team, just like we need a team. We can't do this on our own. And so let's just read, but let's not just see a list of names. Maybe we can even pause and talk about each name for a moment. Like in Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, when it begins and says, Tychicus, there's a name. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. And I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. In other words, there's more for you to know than what I've written, and he's going to tell you about it. Tychicus is the one. Tychicus is a name. The same Tychicus that's mentioned in Acts chapter 20 as one of seven others who traveled with Paul to deliver the offering that they had collected among the churches to go to Jerusalem to the people who were in need. And he was one that helped carry the offering there. This is the same Tychicus that in in Ephesians and 2 Timothy is revealed that he was sent to Ephesus to share with them how Paul was doing. This is the same Tychicus that took the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians to Ephesus and the same Tychicus who took the letter that Paul wrote to Colossae to the Colossians. He carried these very letters. He was a faithful partner and servant with Paul. In fact, it tells us here that he stayed with Paul even though he was in difficult circumstances. When everything seemed to be against Paul, Tychicus was there. He was like Mr. Dependable. He could be trusted He was with Paul during the hard stuff. He was not just a name on the list. Paul says he's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that has happened here. Onesimus, who's one of you. Remember, he's the runaway slave that that became a believer when he encountered Paul and his associates. And, And Paul says that he's now like a brother a dear brother in the faith, and you should receive him. And and now Onesimus with Tychicus is carrying this letter back to his own people in Colossae and to his slave owner, Philemon, who was from there. He's delivering it back to his community, now to his church. He's not just a name on the list. So Paul tells him about Onesimus so they could pray for him. And then Paul says in verse 10, then there's my fellow prisoner, 
Aristarchus, he sends you his greetings. Aristarchus, a fellow prisoner, a fellow worker with Paul from Macedonia, and he's one of Paul's traveling companions. He's the same one that risked his life in Acts chapter 19 during the Ephesian riot. He was captured and drug off. It's this very one who was with Paul. He's the same one. Then in Acts chapter 27, when Luke so graphically describes Paul's journey on that ship to Rome and they encounter the storm and the ship is breaking apart and they decide to run it aground so they can be spared, they cut the anchors and and they're headed towards shore when they hit the sandbar and the waves were beating that ship into pieces. And so all 276 people that were on that ship jump into the water swimming for their lives for shore. Aristarchus is among them. Fellow prisoner means he may have been there, the way it reads, actually he could have been there voluntarily just to assist and be with Paul and to help him. So he may have been a voluntary prisoner with Paul. But there's the chance he also could have just been a prisoner with Paul. He's not just a name on a list. So don't skim or skip over him, as some might be inclined to do. And then Paul says, as does Mark the cousin of Barnabas. You've you've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. This is John Mark, who on one of Paul's missionary journeys, he went with Paul and Barnabas on the missionary journey. But for some reason, we don't know the reasons why, but he deserted them. It affected Paul so much that later when Barnabas, who was John Mark's cousin, said, let's take John Mark with us. Paul didn't want John Mark going with them. He was opposed to it. And there was such a disagreement between Barnabas and Paul on this. They they parted ways so that Barnabas could take John Mark. And he went on his journey and Paul went on his. They actually went separate ways at the time. And yet, we read that sometime later that Paul forgave John Mark. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, in fact, Paul told Timothy to bring John Mark with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. Somehow he went from, I don't want him going along with us, to he's helpful, bring him here. So there was a change. He can now trust him. In fact, Mark joined Titus and Timothy as men who were representatives of Paul who were sent to some of the churches who had problems and he trusted them to help those churches and help solve them. And so John Mark overcame his first failure and became a valuable servant of God. Not only that, but he wrote the gospel to Mark. He's not just a name on the list. And then in verse 11, he says, then there's Jesus who's called Justice. He also sends his greeting. Jesus coming from that name Joshua that means he saves. And that was his Hebrew name. The Roman name was Justice. We don't know much about him, but he will tell us here in a minute he was a comfort to Paul. And Paul says, these are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they've proved a comfort to me. And then he goes on, Epaphras, he's a name in the list who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Epaphras, you know, know, the one who brought you the gospel, the one who planted your church, the one who, he is wrestling with God in prayer. He's always praying and wrestling persistently for you. And Paul calls him a fellow minister and a fellow servant, a faithful minister of Christ Jesus. Epaphras, whose name likely 
is short for Epaphroditus, which means he was named after Aphrodite, the famous pagan goddess of love. He wasn't exactly raised to love Jesus, but he came to know Jesus and his life was transformed and the people of Colossae knew it. And Paul says he's praying for you and he sends his greetings to you. He's a changed man. Which just tells us who you were does not define who you are now. And who you are today doesn't dictate who you will be in the future. Paul calls him a fellow servant. But more than that, this is a man who's a prayer warrior for you. He's not just a name on the list. And then he says, our dear friend Luke, the doctor. Luke is the only Gentile writer of any book in our Bible. He wrote both Luke and Acts. Acts 16 reveals that he joined Paul in traveling with him to Jerusalem. He was a doctor. He was a professional. Somehow he leveraged his skills for the kingdom and he was even a proven historian, Luke was. Luke remained with Paul, according to 2 Timothy 4, to the very end. When you have someone who will stand with you to the very end, walk with you to the very end as he did with Paul, you know that means everything. Luke was with him to the very end. He's not just a name on a list. And then Paul said, Demas, he sends his greetings. Demas is only mentioned three times in Scripture. In Philemon, he's mentioned there as, this, as a fellow soldier. In Colossians, he's just mentioned by name that he's sending greetings. And then sadly, in 2 Timothy 4, we read that Paul says, For Demas fell in love with the present world, and he's deserted me. And gone to Thessalonica. Demas loved the world too much to finish and see the mission through. He deserted Paul. There was hurt and loss and pain. There's Demas. He's not just a name on the list. He says, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Nympha, a woman who likely was a widow who the church met in her home where she Help make disciples. Just like God would call each and every single one of you to make disciples. There's some of you that can open your home to help make disciple makers. She did. She's not just a name in a list. And then Paul would say, after this letter has been read to you, see that it's also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that, that you complete the ministry that you receive from the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. There are more than a hundred different Christians in Paul's, uh, in the letters that we see recorded in both Acts and in the epistles. More than a hundred people that are somehow associated, connected to Paul and his ministry. And right here in Colossians 4, we got 10 of those people listed. 10 of them who have made him who he is today. 10 people who have helped him by clarifying his thinking helped him keep the faith through nearly unbearable hardships. They helped him plant these churches, send these letters, deliver his messages to these churches. At this stage of his life, Paul is is more than appreciative of them because he's in chains for Christ. And he realizes, probably maybe even more than any other time in his life, he needs the community. It's not that he never knew this. He From the get-go, he knew he needed community. But he so appreciates it, he's listing them and sharing their greetings and And we know, too, that we are going through hardships. We go through difficult seasons, difficult times, and sufferings. And Paul had something that we need. He had a team. He had people around him. He had a community that was helping him 
in his faith. There are some reasons why we need a team. There's some reasons why we need each other, why we need the community. And here's the first one. What God calls you to do, you cannot do alone. What God has called you to do, you cannot do alone. You cannot be a reconciler. You cannot be an ambassador. You cannot be on mission for God and do it alone. Paul, one of the greatest disciple makers of all time, could not do it alone. He couldn't even get into church alone. He's trying to go to church in Jerusalem after he had persecuted and and killed Christians and imprisoned believers because he hated them. But when he came to know Jesus and he spent some time with Jesus, he wanted to come to the church in Jerusalem. He wanted to to see and meet with the apostles. He wanted to be on mission for God. He was proclaiming boldly about Jesus. They were like, "Uh uh-uh, we know who you are. It took someone by the name of Barnabas to bring Paul to the church. He couldn't even get into church by himself. But his community grew from one to over a hundred that at least we know of that he was in community with. We need it. We need that community. And over the years, Paul's team included men and women, Jews and Gentiles, slaves and a household manager, a doctor. We see different ethnic, cultural, gender, socioeconomic people who make up his team. So look around. Look around you. This is your team. This is your community. This is who God has brought together, a community that ought to be growing in number for you personally. You should not be shrinking back into isolation. You should be leaning in to the people around you because you cannot do this alone. Paul's list grew. Your list should grow too. We need each other. Maybe today would be a good day to start making your list and checking it twice. Maybe before the end of this sermon, you could identify five people right now that you're in community with that this week you could thank God for them. You could spend some time just sharing with them how they've been fellow soldiers with you or they've been in the journey with you or they've encouraged you or they've stretched you. Maybe this week you could just thank some people for doing life with you and being in this with you. Because what God calls you to do, you cannot do alone. So who's on your list? Is it a short list or is it a growing list? And whenever you look at that list, it's not just a list of names. It's more than that. This is your community. My friend, Charlie Spencer, we were talking on the phone this week. And he's like, man, I just got to tell you this great story that's unfolding right now. Because he, he said, tomorrow, it's going to be a special day. And he said, the reason why is, he said, Scott, who's been at Northside and helped us with some disciple-making training stuff, who's now in Bangladesh. He said Scott uh, was prayer walking one day and he was at an apartment complex. And at the apartment complex, he met Adam. And as he started talking to Adam, Adam clearly was, had zero interest in God or in, Christian, in Jesus. He was an atheist and he was not open at all. But his wife had some interest and Scott just kind of befriended him and talked to him. And a door was open to relationship and they began to just kind of visit and talk. And, but through that, his, his interest did grow and... And Scott was introducing him to Charlie and to Charlie's friend Randy. And so Randy and Charlie kind of built a relationship with him. And that ended up with him coming in to their home and, and kind of hearing and studying the Bible together in that process, which piqued his interest. He read through the entire Bible in six weeks, Adam did. 
And after reading through the entire Bible in six weeks, he went to visit family in Texas. And Charlie says while he was in Texas, he came to believe. He confessed his faith in the Lord. And when he came back, they baptized him in a pool behind the house. And that was happening on November 30th, three days ago. And Adam, who you see pictured here with that house church in their home, he came to know Jesus as his Lord and as his Savior. And what Charlie said is, man, it it takes a team. You know, someone plants a seed, someone else waters, God makes it grow. And it's just ordinary people just being faithful to God. And God in community uses a team to help someone know Jesus. And now Adam is going to be helping others know Jesus as a disciple maker himself. God uses us. We all have a role to play while the Holy Spirit directs us. And what God calls us to do, we, we just we cannot do it alone. You can't. That's why you could actually benefit from reading other people's mail. Uh, and I'm being serious about this. I actually do this. Uh, I read other people's mail. It's insightful. You learn things not only about them, but about you that you didn't know before. I know some people think it's illegal, but I obey God, not man. I think it's biblical. So that's why I do it. And uh, some of you don't believe me, but I'm being serious. I read other people's mail. Um, and if, if you don't know where I'm going with this, and I guess you missed it because it's right there in Colossians. It's right there in our text, Colossians 4.16, where Paul instructed the church in Colossae. He said, you know the letter I wrote to the Laodiceans? I want you to read that one for yourself. And your letter I just wrote to you, I want you to go take, take it to Laodicea so they can read your mail. I want you to read their mail, and I want them to read your mail. I, I mean, what I wrote to the Laodiceans, that wasn't written to you specifically, but it applies to you directly, so you need to read that. And the letter I wrote to you in Colossae, I want the Laodiceans to read that. We've got one of the two letters. We've got Colossians. We don't have the one that went to Laodicea. Some people speculate it was Ephesians, but a lot of others say that's not it. So you likely don't have that one. But their mail is really important to you because we live in community. You have brothers and sisters around the world. What God is doing in them and through them and and what he's saying to them, it, it applies to you. And so whenever I... Hear what God says to the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, which was a specific rebuke. That rebuke actually applies to me. Every time you read Scripture, you're reading someone else's mail that God wants you to read because He has a word for you. It speaks to you. This is what it means to recognize that we are in community with one another. And how we're all related. I need the church in Colossae. I need the church in Laodicea. I need the church across town here in Springfield. I need Because I, I got things I can learn when I realize I have things to learn from my brothers and sisters and other churches and congregations here and around the world. And God's word impacts the community as a whole, not just the community in one specific location at a specific time. It's important for me to recognize this. I'm part of a team. I'm part of a community. And what God calls me to do, I cannot do alone. And also, I think it's good for us to remember this, that when you experience conflict, the community is still important. 
I know sometimes when we go through conflict, we just either want to abandon or pull out or, or allow bitter roots to grow up and we just isolate ourselves from people. But that's not what happens here. We got two examples of conflict in Colossians chapter 4. The first one was Demas and he abandoned and he left and he was gone. And you know that Paul was brokenhearted over that. The second one is John Mark. John Mark, who we don't know why he left Paul and Barnabas in that missionary journey, but, but he still pursued the Lord. And Paul pursued the Lord. And even though there came a time when they were going separate ways for a period of time, because they were both pursuing the Lord, God used them and he expanded and grew the kingdom, even though things weren't quite right between the two of them. Only to bring them back together again. Division did not win. It didn't get the last word. There was a spirit of unity at work. And we learn a lesson from Paul's perspective in this, which is those who quit on us one day may be important allies down the road. That if you've been failed, don't assume that person will never come through in the future. Because the lesson we learn from John Mark is he became very useful and valuable to Paul. And from Mark's perspective, I think we can learn that if you failed, don't let your past failure stop you from giving it another go. God has more for you and that can be restored. And that even though relationships are messy and there may be times that you don't want to lean into it, we are better together than we are apart, even though we're not perfect. There's an example for this in the old Peanuts cartoon. There's kind of one of those funny interactions between Linus and Lucy. And Lucy was kind of threatening uh, Linus if he didn't change the channels, the TV channels, to what she wanted. And Linus says, what makes you think you can walk right in here and take over? It's kind of like, it's similar to the conversation my wife and I have when she comes into the room and wants to change the channel or something. And uh, it's, probably, it's actually probably the other way around, so I, I kind of lied about that. But anyway... Um, what makes you think, he says to Lucy, you can just walk right in here and take over. And Lucy's response is, these five fingers, said Lucy. Individually, they are nothing but when I curl them together into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. And that's when Linus simply said, what channel do you want? And then turning away from her, he looked at his own hands and looked at his fingers and said, why can't you guys come together like that? And I think there's a lesson we can learn from this, which is not that we should threaten with the use of violence in our fists, but the, the idea that five working together are much more effective and powerful than a hundred doing their own thing. That when we come together, God uses us in powerful ways. You're part of a team. You're part of a community. And that is important. And because of that, even if you go through hardship or difficulty, even if relationships are messy and hard, this is your team. Look around. This is your team. Even if you find them annoying. Even if you find someone hopeless, this is our team. And we actually are more effective together than we are apart. So see the value in community. And then I want to say this, number three, and last is this. You're part of a team. 
but do not minimize your responsibility. Sometimes we can think we're a part of a team, so my contribution doesn't matter as much. Maybe I can skimp a little and get by because I'm a part of a team. Someone else will pick up the slack. I don't know where our thinking goes on this. Sometimes we, we devalue or minimize our importance. I'm part of a team and there, there, there's people more important and valuable than to me. I don't matter that much. We can actually minimize. Do not minimize your role, your responsibility. Don't, don't undermine it. It's important that you be a part of this team. And we see this in Colossians 4, 17, when, when Paul tells Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you receive from the Lord. We don't know what ministry he received from the Lord or what it was, but God's given you this ministry, complete it, finish it, do it. I think it's important for all of us to know that all of us have received a ministry from the Lord. A ministry of being his ambassadors, of reconciliation, of being disciple makers. We all have gifts and talents and treasures and testimonies to use for the Lord. God has given each and every single one of you that. Do not devalue it. Don't undermine it by refusing to use it and benefit the body. You have an important role to play. Some roles may be up front and visible. Some may be behind the scenes, but don't ignore it. Don't minimize it. The scripture says in 1 Peter 2, 5, that you're a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices to God. You are priests who have a role to play in service to God. Not only that, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, you've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works. He's got good works prepared in advance for you to do. You specifically. And if you're not doing it, then you're not being a part of the community and doing what God would have you to do. Even the apostle Peter at times struggled with this. Like that one time when, when he's walking with Jesus and Jesus is telling Peter what's going to happen and some hard things that are coming. And he looks at, at John, the apostle, who's walking behind him. He's like, what about him? And Jesus says, what is it to you if I want him to be alive and to carry on some of the tasks I have for him to do? Like, were you worried about what's happening over there? You're responsible for what I have for you to do. Finish the work of ministry that I've called you to do. And God is saying that to each and every single one of you today. There is work that God has prepared for you specifically to do. And if you do not do it, the kingdom is hurt. It's affected by that. God can raise up other people to do the work that he wants to do. But the fact is, what you need to realize, as Michael DeFazio says in his book, More Jesus, only you can do what you can do. No one else can accomplish precisely what you can accomplish to move God's mission forward. No one else has your same combination of body, face, personality, voice, gifts, skills, competencies, job, friendship, street address, schedule. God can fill many holes with other people, but if you don't do your part, there will be opportunities missed. There will be conversations that are never had. There are things that will remain unsaid and good things that will remain undone. We are each responsible for our own unique contribution. So Archippus, finish the work, complete the ministry that God has given you to do. And God would say to those of us here at Northside today, Wayne, finish the work that God has given you to do. Fill in your name with the blank. Finish the work that God has given you to do. It's important work. There was a young man who came to his parents and, and he was asking his parents if he could um, get into this uh, 
it was like a, a speech and theater um, year-long training program that he entered. The parents agreed, and he diligently attended this whole thing for an entire year. And at the end of the year, there was this big show that had speeches and plays and dramatic readings. And, and this young man was in one of those plays. In fact, he was the king. And that's a pretty big role when you're like the king in the production. It's, at least it seemed that way until he walked out on stage and, and then the queen walked out. She was a good whole foot taller than him, just overshadowed him in every way. Not just in disposition and, and height, but also in the role that she played and the lines that she had. In fact, he had three lines in the whole production as the king. They were the last words of the closing scene of the final act in the very last play. In other words, any way you looked at this, he was not the prominent character of this show by any stretch. But you wouldn't know that by looking at his mom and dad who were beaming with pride. After the show... They were approached and asked, what do you think of your boy, the king? And his dad said, well, I think he said his lines. He was prepared. He was ready. He said his lines. And he said them well. Not too soon. Not too late. Not too loud. Not too soft. But just right, he said his lines. Afterwards, people began to celebrate the work that everybody was doing. And, and the fact is, his boy was celebrated for doing the work that was given him. DeFazio says, thousands upon thousands of people throughout the centuries have read this story, taking their place in it just like Archippus. And they said their lines. They built hospitals and they brought down dictators. They planted churches and they changed diapers. They've greeted visitors and they've told Bible stories to kids. And they've prayed for the lost and the encouraged and the depressed. And they sat with the dying and they raised children and they fed the hungry and they've taken care of widows and orphans. And in these ways and so many more, they said their lines. You are not the star of God's story. But when the curtain falls and the drama ends, who cares what the credits remember or what the critics say? We play our part so that we can hear one thing from our Heavenly Father, which is, well done, you said your lines, you're a good and faithful servant. And if Archippus teaches us anything from this text, it's say your lines. Not Paul's lines, not Epaphras' lines, not Tychicus' lines, just say your lines. Do the ministry that was given for you to do. Every one of you has a line to say, and so do it and say it and say it well. You're not the lead actor, you're not the star, Jesus is. But you are not unimportant to the story. He's given you an integral part and role that only you can perfectly play, so play your role. And for the sake of Christ, in the moving forward of God's mission, say your lines. They're your lines. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a desire for you. You're part of a team. Do not undervalue your role on the team. Don't undermine it by not being involved and engaged and doing what God would have you to do. Don't minimize it. Don't downplay it. You've got a responsibility because what God calls you to, you cannot do alone. Amen. When God calls you into community, that community is, is not to, for you to stay in isolation. Community means even when it's hard, you engage. So thank God for people. Thank God for your community. Thank God for your team. Thank God for the people on your list. If you haven't made it yet, make a list. 
Make a list. Count it twice. And it's not just going to be a list of names. These are people in your community. These are people in your faith family. These are people who are in the journey with you. And may that list grow as we fulfill what God would have us to do. As we recognize brothers and sisters all over the world right now who are on your team. They're in this with you. Maybe you haven't even met some of them yet, but you will. And it will grow. Maybe from one to 10 to a hundred or more. But God's word that is meant for them, it's meant for you. God is calling you to be a part of what he's doing right now. And I think when I, when I reflect on maybe a few things he might be calling us to, I think maybe first of all, what God could be calling you to is just to join the team. Join this team. Maybe like Adam, you've not yet believed or confessed or repented or been baptized into Christ. Well, join the team. God wants you on this team in the faith family and you could do that today and respond right now. And we're going to give you a chance to do that in just a moment. For others of you, you might be listening and hearing right now. You may be in this room. You may be watching online, but here's the deal. You're not fulfilling your ministry. You're not doing your role. Like when I tell you to make a list, you look around this room and you're struggling to write down some names because you're not in community. You're not serving the faith family. You're not doing what Paul told Archippus to do and to fulfill the ministry that he's given them. And maybe you're not using your time or your talent or your treasure or your testimony for the building up of the body of Christ in his kingdom. And you're just not involved or engaged or serving or doing what God would have you to do. You've, you've been neglecting or undermining what God wants to do in you. He has a specific ministry for you, but you're not really engaged in the faith family. I think God's saying to us today, let's grow the community. Let's serve and fulfill our role. We're a part of this and what you do matters. So join the team. Lean into the team to serving in this community. Maybe you need to get involved. Maybe you're not, right now, you might be sitting in rows, but you're not in circles with people and doing life together. Whether it's in a life group or a growth group or a a community group or a a men's or women's group or a, a celebrate recovery group. You're just not in life with people. And today God's calling you to be a part of that. Maybe for you, you're not encouraging. And so God would tell you, you need to encourage people today. Maybe for you, you're not giving. You're not giving of your resources or finances to the Lord. And so God's telling you to give to the community. We each and every one are responsible for what we give and how we follow and serve the Lord. Today's the day that God's calling us to be a team, to step it up and to do this together. Maybe for some of you, it means taking this seat pocket, the card in the, that's in the seat pocket in front of you out and say, I, mean, I, I, I want to I serve. I want to get engaged. I want to have a conversation with some ways to do that. Maybe it's going to northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision and getting a conversation started with us or slash connect to connect to a group. Our signups for our life groups are going to be kicking off again here very soon. Because God wants you in community. If you'd stand to your feet right now, we're going to have a a time of 
response. And our prayer team is here on the sides of the room. They've been praying for and with people today. They're here to pray with you right now. I would encourage you to go pray with them. This is a chance for you to respond by giving to the Lord right now. Yes, we got boxes at the back of the room as you leave, but also uh, with the information on the screen, you can see how to give to the Lord, how to give of your finances to the kingdom. And especially in this month of December, as you do this, it will help us meet our budget for 2023 and, and then extend beyond that so we can go beyond to do the mysteries we want to accomplish. You heard about the one less gift offering, which is going to the benevolence needs of our church family and to cross lines and victory mission as well as to our Christmas meal deliveries so we can fund those meals to those in need in our community. So we want to encourage you to give generously to the Lord. And again, this is how we do community together and serve the kingdom together. So you can respond in that way. I'm going to be stepping right over here to Decision Point. I'd love to talk and pray with you there. So Lord, I just want to pray right now that we would respond to you, that Jesus, we would live for you, that, God, we would not neglect the ministry you've given to us. Lord, we would understand that, that, Lord, we need each other. And, Lord, as I look at this list of names in front of me, it's not just a list. These are people you've brought into your kingdom to serve your purpose, each one valuable and important and needed. And, Lord, thank you that we can be a part of this faith family. It's in this spirit of gratitude we pray. Amen. I'll meet you right over here. Thanks for joining us this morning, Northside. Before you go, make sure you check in and let us know you were here. Text the word CHECK to 417-233-1200. If you want to respond to today's service, you can do that online through Decision Point. If you want to know more about baptism or becoming a member, you can request more info at northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. This is also the place to find out about our life groups, find out what sort of service opportunities there are, or if you just need to get in touch with a minister. And if you're online, you probably use social media too. Make sure you're following along with Northside on our Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, or Twitter. We are glad that you chose to join us this morning. As we head out for the week, let's make sure we take the love of God with us. Take good care of each other, Northside.